Grace Church, Medina East Campus. How's it going? This is Dan, and uh, I'm here to welcome you to our online weekend experience. I just want to give uh, an extra special welcome to you if, if you're newer or if it's your first time uh, checking us out online. Hope that you feel maximum love, maximum love vibes coming to you digitally because you are. And I'll tell you what, I was actually a little bit sad that our uh, previous series was over until I found out that our new series was all about emotions, which made me very happy. So, hope you get excited about that and are uh, able to connect uh, with our new series. Uh, and like I said, if you're newer or if it's your first time checking us out, we just want you to feel loved and, and informed. And so we actually have a website at medinaeast.gracechurches.org. There you can find out info about the church and the things that we're offering uh, during this time, including something called Love Medina. Love Medina is a way that we're trying to uh, connect people that have practical needs with people that are able to provide those needs. And so if you have a need or if you're able to provide a practical need, please check out medinaeast.gracechurches.org. Click on that Love Medina button and we'll see what we can do to, to connect you to what you need or a way that you can help out. And so, uh, as we've said in the past, though we are a little bit bummed that we can't uh, be together uh, physically and it's, it's hard to, to, not, to not be in the same place, we know that the church isn't just a building, it's a people. And so we want you to know that we are unified in spirit and that we love you and that we miss you. We can't be to, wait to be together again and hope that you have uh, an awesome weekend. Thanks a lot and hopefully see you soon. Well, thanks so much for tuning in and for joining us here at the Medina East Campus for our weekend experience. And um, I would just say that it's good to see you, um, or I guess I should say uh, it's good to be seen by you. And uh, so glad you're here. If you're a person who's getting connected to Grace for the very first time, maybe you uh, came across our website or someone kind of sent you the link or something, I just want to extend a very, very special welcome to you. Let me introduce myself. My name is Tony. I am uh, the campus pastor here at the Medina East Campus. And um, I am so excited if you are just here for the first time because I think you're catching us on a great weekend. So we're starting a brand new series that's called Emotions, Untangling Our Feelings. So we oftentimes say here at Grace that the beginning of the series of a series is maybe the best opportunity to kind of get connected to our church. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to hear a conversation all the way from the beginning to the end. So I would even encourage you, uh, if you're someone who's just kind of checking in, maybe, um, maybe just kind of lock in for the duration of this sermon series for the next several weeks together. I think that would give you a chance to get to know us a little bit, and hopefully it would give us a chance to get to know you. We'd love to do that, whether that's virtual. So if you want to fill out a Connect card online, we'd love that. Uh, or if you want to come meet us in person, whenever we gather again, I would love to invite you to, to come and join us on a weekend service. But so glad you're here and really excited about this series that we're starting today uh, called Emotions. I'll tell you, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this series is because I genuinely believe that this series has the power and has the potential to impact and to literally change your life. That, uh, that some of the things we're going to be talking about here can really change uh, your life. And I, I, I'm not saying that in an over-exaggerated way. I actually do believe that because here's one thing that I know about every single person who's watching this right now. It's true of all of us, is that one place that we can relate, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a church person or not, whether you're a Bible person or not, 
is that all of us can relate as it relates to our emotional experiences. We all feel emotions. We all experience emotions uh, kind of in our life together. It's the common experience of, of humanity. And emotions are, you guys know this, it's a very dominant component of our life. How we feel really can impact just about every avenue of life. And so our emotions can really impact the way uh, that we view life. Uh, Our mood can affect the way that we view other people, the way we view ourselves. It can affect the way we treat other people, right? Our mood can affect the way we treat others. And if you don't believe that, by the way, just ask the people that you live with. I'm sure that they would validate that uh, to be the case. And so we can all kind of relate uh, as it relates to this topic of emotions. And so as we begin to process through this, I thought maybe I'd start with just a quick question. So this is a question. I just want you to self-identify. You don't need to answer this out loud. But here's my question for you. How do you feel about how you feel, all right? So I want you to kind of think about this with me. So it's pretty interesting as I've been studying and preparing for this, and even as I've been thinking about my own experience, I think what I've seen is that there tends to be one of two extremes as it relates to the way that we interact with emotions. So which one do you lean towards is my question. So here's the first extreme. The first extreme is that you're a person who would say, what I feel is really not that important at all. All right, so this is kind of that first camp. What I feel really isn't all that important. And so if this is you, maybe some characteristics would be that you, you're a person who would look at emotions and you would say, you know, emotions, yeah, they're kind of a distraction, right? That emotions are unproductive, uh, that emotions can cloud my judgment. They can keep me from uh, thinking rationally about things. Uh, maybe for you, uh, emotions, for you, you, wanna, you, you kinda wanna minimize emotions. So that's kind of your natural tendency is you're, you think, you know, it's better to ignore them. It's better to mistrust them. I don't want to make any emotional decisions. That might be kind of the way that you think. Maybe for you, you're the kind of person that you feel awkward at any significant expression or display of emotions. You're just like, I don't know what to do with them. They're weird to me. And so you kind of minimize them. And then maybe for you, whenever you feel something, whenever you feel an emotional response, your tendency is to suppress and deny what you're feeling, right? So your, your philosophy is basically just stuff it, right? Stuff your feelings or just, you know, run away from them or ignore them or suppress them or whatever that might, might look like for you. On the other side, maybe you're kind of leaning the other way, which would be what I feel is very important, is very important. In fact, maybe for you, you would say that what you feel, that your emotions are maybe one of the most important aspects of you as a person. If that's you, you might say things like this. You might say emotions are central, right? So you would say emotions aren't secondary. Emotions aren't ancillary. Emotions are very important. Emotions are, are central. Then maybe for you, you would say, you know, the worst thing a person can do is be inauthentic about their emotions. The worst thing a person can do is to, is to not express what they're feeling. That might be kind of the way that you would think. Maybe for you, uh, you would be the kind of person that you would say uh, that I dwell and rely on my feelings and I dwell and rely on my emotions. Uh, that rather than stuffing them or you know, kind of ignoring them, you would be someone who maybe makes some emotional decisions. You make decisions based on emotion and you feel things in a very real way, very strong in a very real way. So here's, here's, here's my question again is, is which way do you lean, right? Do you lean towards the first or the second? And then here's another question for you to think about. This is actually a question maybe you can process through later with somebody else is what kind of family did you grow up in, right? As it relates to emotions, what was your family dynamic like growing up? But here's, here's my point that I think I'm trying to make here is we all respond to emotions 
in very different ways. We just, we just do. And for some of us, our emotions speak so loudly that we have a hard time hearing anything else than what we feel. And then for others of us, quite honestly, we are so out of tune with our emotions, we have the hardest time even understanding what's going on inside of us. So we all interact with emotions in all kinds of different ways, and it forces us to ask the question, okay, then what are emotions? What are they exactly? And what are they not? What are they not? And is there a right way or a healthy way that we can interact and kind of, uh, kind of uh, process through our emotions? So those are the questions we're going to be thinking about and talking about throughout the duration of this series. Now, it probably doesn't come as a surprise to you that the place that we're going to look for insights and the place that we're going to look for answers to those questions is we're going to look into the pages of the Bible. It's probably not a surprise because this is a church and that's where we tend to go for those things. But I will tell you this, that whether you're a Bible person or not, or maybe you're a person who grew up in the church, my guess is that what we're going to find throughout this series may actually surprise you. That what the Bible says about some of these topics as it relates to our emotion is actually very interesting and maybe unlike anything that maybe you've ever seen or studied or you've heard before. In fact, can I just tell you something? If you're a person who's investigating Christ, so if you are uh, maybe not real sure where you land with Jesus, you're still trying to figure that out, can I tell you something that I thought was really interesting and maybe might be surprising to you? Is did you know that by and large, people who follow Jesus, Christians, are more confused and are more disturbed by their emotions than those who don't follow Jesus? I actually got this, uh, this, this insight from a really interesting book, a really compelling book called Untangling Emotions by J. Alistair Groves and Winston T. Smith. By the way, excellent resource. I would highly commend it to you if you're looking for some additional resources on this. But these two guys are counselors, and in their over-combined 30 years of counseling experience, they basically made that very observation, that those who follow Jesus, those who are Christians, often are more confused and disturbed by their emotions. So they, they highlight a few things. They say things like this, that for Christians, sometimes feeling negative emotion is viewed as bad, right? And it's a sign of spiritual failure. And so I think maybe for some of us who followed Jesus, we felt that before, you know, that when we have emotions that maybe are uh, kind of negative or maybe darker shades, uh, that what we tend to feel is we feel bad. We feel like maybe it's a bad thing. Like, aren't Christians supposed to be happy? Aren't we supposed to be filled with like joy all the time and singing? And, and so whenever we experience something like anger or grief or sadness, sometimes we're not sure what to do with that. And we feel guilty about it. Um, anxiety is proof that you don't trust God. Right? Maybe we felt that. Maybe you felt that. It's, there's passages in the Bible, like in Philippians chapter 4, which says, be anxious for nothing. And I think we read that and we think, okay, but what happens when you do feel anxious? What are you supposed to do with that? Just feel guilty and try not to? Or how do we process through that? Uh, grief is a failure to rest in God's good purposes. And so for, I think for some who are Christians, we would say that sometimes we feel bad when we grieve because we feel like because we have the promises of God that we should get over things more quickly, right? Uh, anger is viewed as selfish. Fear is a lack of confidence in God, and so on and so forth. But I would just say, looking at this, I think because of sometimes the way that Christians process through emotions, sometimes the feelings that we feel can cause us to feel a sense of guilt and shame. And we often think that the best thing we should do is either squash those feelings or we should repent of them entirely. And we'll kind of process like that. But here's what I believe, and I believe what I've kind of come to see in my own life as well. And that's this, that misunderstanding and mismanaging emotions can really, really hinder us. It can really hinder us. And in every aspect of life, 
it can hinder us. It can hinder us spiritually as well. Um, I thought it was interesting. There's a, a great book, kind of a landmark book that came out several years ago called The Emotionally Healthy Church by Peter Scazzaro. And here's what he said. I thought this was insightful. He said, it's not possible for a Christian to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. For some reason, however, the vast majority of Christians today live as if the two concepts have no intersection. I thought that was really insightful. You see what he's saying there? He's saying for a very long time, Christians would kind of separate spiritual maturity from emotional maturity. And sometimes what can happen is we'll look at those things as if they're entirely unrelated. And we'll say that it's possible to be a spiritually mature person while still remaining emotionally immature. And he's saying it's not possible for that to happen. He actually goes on to give a a whole list of of different kind of scenarios that we have kind of become acquainted with that are in a lot of ways almost hypocritical. So for example, uh, things like you can be an incredibly gifted person, right? And yet you can be incredibly unloving parent and spouse. You just can be. It's possible that you can be someone who's very celebrated in the church and in the community, and yet at home you can be a total jerk to your spouse and to your kids. Um, You can function as a leader in the church, and yet you can still remain unteachable, insecure, and defensive. You can have a deep knowledge of the Bible, and you can still be unaware of your depression and anger, even displacing it onto other people. Uh, You can be disciplined in Bible reading and in prayer, and yet constantly critical of other people, justifying it as discernment. Um, You can lead others in initiatives while driven by a deep personal need to compensate for a nagging sense of failure. And I just tell you, for me personally, as I was reading through some of that, I I felt convicted by that and uh, realized that, you know, I've been in the church for a long time. I've actually been a leader within the church for a little while. And I resonate with some of those things. I can see how sometimes we will dissociate uh, spiritual health from emotional health. I know for me personally, I, if you've been around the Medina campus, you've probably heard me talk about it before. One of the areas that I really see this, see my, see this in myself uh, with emotional immaturity is sometimes as it relates to anger. And, uh, and I will sometimes find that I will fall into some patterns there uh, of emotional immaturity, especially when I'm behind the wheel. And it can surprise me, you know, when I'm in the car and those type of things. But I think, I think the point is, is really this. The point is that for sure, um, our emotions, mismanaging them and misunderstanding them can really cost us. It costs us spiritually and it can cost us in all areas of life. Listen, here's the truth. At best, misunderstanding and mismanaging emotions is going to limit you as a person. It's going to limit your potential. It's going to limit your relationships. It's going to limit your parenting, right? How many of us have felt that before, that we are not the parents that we desire to be because we have a hard time uh, managing our emotions, right? Uh, It can limit our ability to connect with our spouse. It can limit so many different aspects of our life. At worst, if we don't, if we misunderstand and mismanage our emotions, at worst, it can absolutely devastate us. I think all of us have seen that. We've seen either in our own lives or in the lives of people that we love, that they make deeply regretful decisions that were based on the heat of a moment or the emotion that they experienced in one spot. And so because of that, there's a lot at stake here, right? And there's a lot of room for life transformation to take place. So what does the Bible say about all of this? What's the Bible going to teach? Well, okay. Well, I, I, to this week, I simply just want to introduce this whole conversation to us. And uh, in the coming weeks, we're actually going to talk through each emotion kind of individually. But I simply want to lay down a very basic foundation 
uh, biblically as it relates to emotions. So here's the three things that I want to process through together today. So first and foremost, I want to talk about how emotions are from God and they're good. Okay, they're, they're from God and they're good. So I want to show you that. Emotions are intended to move us. So we'll talk about that. And then emotions reveal our values and affections. So the three things we want to process through a little bit together. So let's start at the top. Let's talk about this idea that emotions are from God and emotions are good. So fascinatingly, if you want to understand emotions, at least what the biblical perspective is on emotions, you actually don't start with yourself. You don't start with your own emotions. The starting place to understand our emotional makeup is actually to start by looking at God. It begins there. And the reason for that is because the Bible is going to tell us that God is our creator, which means that there is a created intended purpose behind everything within our buildup, including our emotions. And the place that we look to define that would be to God. And the other reason we look to God, the Bible is going to tell us, is because we are actually created in his image. That's exactly what Genesis 2 says. It says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created it. Now, I know some of you are reading that and you're thinking to yourself, what does that even mean to be made in the image of God? And I'll tell you, um, it's actually a very rich kind of topic that uh, we could talk about for a very long time. It means a lot of things. But let me tell you one thing it means for sure is it means that we are created in the image of God in our emotional makeup, in our, in our emotional life. We are created in God's image there as well. Now, when you read through the Bible, one of the things that you're going to see very clearly is that God displays a vast array of emotions. In fact, even if you're not like a crazy Bible reader, only if you've read the Bible a little bit, my guess is you've probably noticed this. This might actually be a problem that some of you have if you're investigating or if you're new to the Bible, is that when you read through the pages of Scripture, sometimes it seems like God is an emotional roller coaster, right? And there's, you see God's joy, you see God's delight. You see God's love, and then you'll also see things like God's wrath and God's anger and even God's jealousy. And again, for some of us, we have a hard time with that, but yet the Bible uh, doesn't conceal these. It's very overt about God's emotions. And so we see all throughout Scripture, the Bible tells us that God, that God displays an incredible kind of array of different emotions. And part of what it means to be created in God's image is it means that we are created in such a way that we can connect and interact with the world in the same way that God does. And to do that, there's an emotional component that comes along with it. I'll actually take it a step further. Um, for those of us who follow Jesus, we believe that not only is God display emotion, not only is God an emotional being, but we would say that if you really want to understand emotional health, the place we should look is to Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is because we actually believe what the Bible says about Jesus. And what does the Bible say about Jesus? Well, the Bible is going to say in places like Colossians 1 that Jesus, was, uh, that Jesus is the invisible God made visible. Uh, the Bible is going to say in like John chapter 1, it's going to say that, that Jesus is God in flesh. So what's all that saying? It's saying this, that God is, that Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man. Now that means a whole bunch of things. It means a whole bunch of things. But in the context of our conversation, what that means is this, is it means that Jesus becomes not only an expression of who God is, but he also becomes an example of what humanity is supposed to be. That if we want to know what does it mean to be fully human, the way God has designed us to be fully human, 
The one place that we can look is to Jesus Christ. And so just tell you that for those of us who do follow Christ, what that means is this, is we believe that growing in a relationship with Christ and growing in our understanding of him and following him is actually the way that we will grow in spiritual and in emotional health that when we begin to follow Jesus, that it will transform every avenue of our life. And one of the avenues that that's going to transform is our emotional life as well. So it's interesting. When you look at Jesus throughout the pages of the scripture, what you're gonna see is you're gonna see that Jesus was very, very emotional. You're gonna see that Jesus experienced a complex set of emotions. So I'll just give you a few examples, okay? Just a couple, again, this is an introduction. So I'll just give you a few different passages. But like in Mark chapter six, all right, let's look at Mark six. The Bible says the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. Okay, so basically you see in this passage, uh, Jesus is tired, Jesus is hungry, he's with his disciples. So the Bible says, they're, they're like, let's get out of here, let's get some rest. Verse 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and they got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So isn't it interesting? The Bible says Jesus was tired, Jesus was hungry, yet when he saw the people and he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, he was moved with compassion. The Bible goes out of its way to tell us about Jesus' emotional life. Same thing in Luke chapter 10. Check this out. It says, at that time, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. He said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned. You revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So notice the Bible says here, Jesus is full of joy. So much so that he almost erupts into like spontaneous praise here in this passage. So the Bible, again, is going to tell us about Jesus' emotional life. How about this one? John 2. This is actually sometimes a very perplexing passage. It says, In the temple courts, Jesus found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords, and he drove them all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers, and he overturned the tables. And then look what it says next. It says, to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So interesting. What do you see here in John 2? You see that Jesus was frustrated, right? angry. In fact, the disciples saw him, and they they identified it as zeal, that there was zeal that consumed him. Now, zeal is not a term we use very often, but the idea there is jealous anger. And so Jesus comes into the temple, a place that was supposed to be consecrated for the worship of God. He sees people earning profit and he's angry. He's, he's angry about that. So you see that in, in the Bible. By this one, Matthew 26, the Bible says that Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. That's actually the garden he prayed in before he was crucified. It says, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to become sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So do you notice this? The Bible tells us that Jesus was sorrowful, even overwhelmed with sorrow. It's fascinating in the original language, that idea means to be surrounded by sorrow. It's the idea of being suffocated by grief and sadness. 
And interestingly, the Bible says that he was also troubled. And actually, one of the translations of that word, which is probably a great translation, is depressed, that Jesus was deeply depressed. I'll give you one more. John 11. This is actually one of the passages where you see such a wide range of emotions in Jesus. The Bible says, when Jesus saw her, that, by the way, he's talking about Lazarus's sister, Mary. So Jesus's friend, Lazarus, had died. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw his sister weeping and the others who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And it's also very fascinating, deeply moved, stirred in spirit and then troubled. Now, the word troubled, uh, unfortunately, this term does not even do justice to the Greek word. The Greek word literally means to snort with anger. That's what it means. And I don't know about you, I've never snorted uh, with anger. But the picture that it has in mind is like a bull. Think about an animal that's snorting, ready to charge. And so the Bible says that Jesus here is filled with, moved in his spirit and almost filled with anger in light of the suffering and the sadness that he sees in people. Now, some people have said, well, that means that Jesus was mad that people were sad. And I don't agree with that at all. I think it's very clear that Jesus, what he's upset with, what he's infuriated with, is human suffering. He, he is devastated and so angry when he sees the grief of his people and how they're mourning. In fact, just a couple of verses after this, it's going to tell us one of the shortest and most profound passages in all the Bible. It's going to say Jesus wept. That Jesus, even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, that he himself wept in this, wept in this, in this moment. Now, I could go on and on, but what's the point? Here's the point. Jesus experienced a whole array, a whole range of emotions. And here's the point, okay? The Bible is going to tell us in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted and tried. He experienced everything we did just as a human, and yet he never sinned. Jesus, in all of his emotions that he experienced, his anger and his depression and his sadness, he never sinned. What's that tell us? It tells us that emotions are from God and they're good, that they're good that we were actually created to experience all of the emotions, even the ones that we would dub negative, because we see that Jesus himself experienced those same emotions also throughout the pages of scripture. And so emotions are good and they are from God. I'll tell you, this is actually one of the things that really separates Christianity from other belief systems. So like in Buddhism, for example, in Buddhism, detachment and non-emotion is actually a key part of enlightenment. Uh, for the Muslim, the Islamic faith, emotions are considered not bad, but only in moderation, right? That emotions are okay, but they're not to be all the way to the extreme. And yet Christianity does something really unique. Christianity does not present us with a picture of a stoic, expressionless, emotionless Jesus. Rather, Christianity presents us with a picture of Jesus who experienced emotions in all kinds of qualities and shades and shapes. And so because of that, I think it tells us this. Emotions are from God, and they're good. That moves me to the second thing. And the second one, very quickly, is this, is that emotions are intended to move us. You know, when you look at these passages and you look at uh, through the Gospels, one of the things that you'll find is a very simple, but I think a very profound pattern. In fact, I would encourage you to read through your Bible and maybe look for this. But you'll see that the Bible tells us three things. That when Jesus comes into a circumstance, first off, he's going to see something, He's going to perceive something. He's going to witness something. Number two, he's going to feel something. So the Bible is actually going to tell us what Jesus felt. It's going to let us in into his emotional life. And then the third thing is this. Jesus is going to do something. 
He's going to act, right? He's going to actually move on something. And so in the passage we, we just looked at, you see it, don't you? Jesus looks at the crowds. He sees the crowds. And what does he perceive? That they are like sheep without a shepherd. He feels compassion. So what does he do? Um, he continues to teach them and heal them and love them, even though he's hungry and tired, right? You see that happen with him. Um, in John 2, Jesus comes into the temple courts, right? What does he see? Money changers. He sees people gaining profit off of a place that's supposed to be a place of worship. What's he feel? Angry, zealous, right? Jealous anger. What's he do? He corrects the injustice. You see the same thing in John 11. He sees the suffering of humankind. He sees the grief of Mary and others. What does he feel? He feels angry. He feels sad. He weeps. What does he do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. And I think this really just points out a very, very simple purpose of emotions. And I think it's this. Emotions are intended to move us. They're actually supposed to move us to action. I actually love the way that uh, one author put it, actually two authors, Carolyn Mahaney and Nicole Whitaker, in their book called True Feelings. This is what they said. They said, many buy into the misconception that to be moved by emotions is a bad thing. We're fond of telling each other, don't be led by your emotions. This is partially true. We should not be led by our emotions into sin, for sure. But emotions are supposed to move us. God gave us emotions to move us towards himself and to love and to obedience. And so I love that. I think that is so true. Do you ever notice this? Do you ever not notice how your emotions actually have an effect on your physiology? Do you ever notice that? When you become angry, what happens? Um, you get full of adrenaline, right? Your, your, your actions become more intensified. It's almost like there's energy being relay, released that's forcing you into motion. Maybe God created anger to push us to move, to push us to action, right? Do you ever notice this? Do you ever notice that when we feel compassion, what will we say sometimes when we feel compassion? We'll say things like this, that really moved me. And what are we saying? We're saying something about that made me feel something that made me change the way I think and made me act. And so I decided to give, I decided to serve, I decided to, to, to love in some way because I was moved with compassion. Emotions are designed to do that. I believe that God gave us emotions as a way of energizing our obedience to him, that emotions are the way that we put, uh, that we put energy and we put motion to our values. And that leads me to the last thing. And the last thing we'll talk about is this, is that emotions reveal our values and our affections. Emotions reveal our values and our affections. I believe that our emotions draw a direct line to what we love, to the things that we care about the most, we value the most, to the affections of our heart, that our affections and the things that we love are directly tied to our um, emotions. I love the way that Augustine put it. Augustine was actually a very significant theologian in church history. And he actually talked about emotions as this idea. He said that emotions are like a sign that indicates something. They point to something. And so if you think about, like, for example, how smoke signifies fire, uh, in the same way that smoke from a fire indicates that there's a fire, the emotions can oftentimes indicate what's going on in our hearts before we can even articulate it. I actually really like that analogy. You know, think about this for a minute. If you were at your house and all of a sudden just smoke started to fill your house, I think all of us would kind of agree on that, that it's never a good idea to just fan the smoke away, right? To so just be like, just get rid of the smoke. The smoke is not necessary. We don't want smoke in this house. It's also not a good idea just to let it cloud you in, right? Just to sit in it. Rather, what's a good idea? Well, it's probably a good idea for you to look into it, right? 
it's probably a good idea for you to trace it, to see where it leads to, to figure out what the source of it is. And I think that's exactly the same thing as it relates to our emotions. Our emotions reveal our values and our affections, like smoke to a fire. I actually give you a very simple analogy here on this. It's actually thinking about my youngest son. His name is Louis. How do you like that? Louis Lavigny. That's quite a name. And uh, little Louis too. And I was thinking about something that he really values and loves and has a lot of affection for. And I couldn't help but think of his, his binky. At least that's what our, our family calls it, a binky. I don't know what you guys called it. But this is something that he has learned to really love and has much affection for. So he cannot go to bed without his binky. He has this in his mouth most of the day. And because he loves his binky so much, what has happened is he has made some emotional ties, some emotional connections to his binky. So I'll illustrate it this way. Okay, I know some of you are like, where'd your TV go? Magic. That's where it went, okay? But, uh, but I try to illustrate it this way. So I actually put a bunch of different kinds of yarn on this, uh, different colors. And uh, the reason I did that is because, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that a lot of times when we try to explain the way we feel, we will oftentimes use colors to do that uh, as a way of expressing the different shades of emotion. And so we'll say things like, I was feeling sad, so I was feeling blue. Uh, I was so mad I could see red. We'll, we'll say things like that. You know, it's green with envy, so on and so forth. And I think it's all of us trying to articulate the experience of emotions, that there's these different shades. But what I'm saying is with, with, with Louis, he's now tied to this, right? It's something he values. It's something he has affection for. And so because of that, if you mess with the binky, <laughs> you're going to mess with his emotions, right? It's going to be playing with those things. And so, for example, if you give him his binky, if you give it to him, it's going to activate happiness because that emotion is directly tied to his affection. When he has it, he's happy. If you were to somehow lose his binky, right, he would become sad. He'd be full of grief. He'd be, he'd be blue, right? That would activate something about it because it's, it's tied to him. If you were to hurt his binky, like if you were to take it out and stomp it on the ground, he would get mad at you, right? That's something that would be, that be activated within him because you're hurting something that he, he loves. And he would probably hit you, by the way. He's a hitter. He's pretty angry. He takes after um, his mom. And then it, sometimes, you know, if, if, if one of his siblings had his binky, he might get jealous. He might feel this whole range of emotions. And again, it's a very, very simple illustration. But I think uh, if you think about it, it makes sense that our emotions are directly tied to our affections. And that's true for every single one of us, right? Think about this. When what you love is given to you, you're happy. When what you love is given to somebody else or someone else has it, you feel envy, you feel jealous. When someone hurts what you love, you feel angry, right? Don't you feel angry about that? And then when you lose something that you love, you grieve. You grieve and you're saddened by that. I think this, by the way, is why, is why it's oftentimes said that the opposite of love is not hate, the opposite of love is indifference. And I very much agree with that. You know, if you, if you really don't love something, you don't care about it. It doesn't affect you at all emotionally. But if you care about something, it is going to affect your emotional life because our emotions are directly tied to our affections. Here's something I've learned to be true. You can learn a lot about your heart by paying attention to your emotions. Can I tell you something else I learned? You can learn a lot about God's heart by paying attention to his emotions when you read through scripture as well. I'll tell you something I thought was really fascinating. You know, when I was studying the emotional life of Jesus throughout scripture, I noticed that in Matthew 22, Jesus says something pretty profound. Jesus said 
that there should be two primary loves. There's two primary loves that we should pursue in this life. The first one is that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is that we should love our neighbor as ourself. And what's so interesting is when you look at the emotional life of Jesus, you will see that his emotions are directly tied to those two affections. So why is it that Jesus oftentimes is amazed or is full of joy when people display faith? It's because he loves God. It's because he loves God. Why is it that when he sees God being desecrated, the temple desecrated, that he becomes so angry? It's because he loves God. Why is it that when Jesus sees people who are hurting, he has compassion? Or when he sees that they're being led astray, he has compassion because he loves people. Why is it that when he sees injustice or when he sees people are grieving, that infuriates him? It's because he loves people. It's all tied to those two things. His, his emotions are connected to his affections. And it's clear to see that. Our emotions at any point are broadcasting who we are and what we value. You know, it's interesting. I think that, quite honestly, for some of us, uh, our emotions will surprise us. And I think the reason that our emotions will surprise us sometimes is because sometimes we're not even aware of the things that we love and value. In fact, for some of you, maybe during this whole, this whole quarantine season, uh, you have experienced emotions that you have been surprised by. Maybe for you, you have been surprised at the sadness and the depression that you felt through this. Maybe for some of you, You've actually been surprised at, at how anxious this has made you or how fearful or scared you've been through this time. Maybe, maybe for some of you, honestly, maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe for you, you're actually surprised that this actually isn't bothering you all that. I mean, not that you want a global pandemic, but you're like, honestly, I, I, I'm actually kind of okay with the way we're doing things right now. And maybe for that, you're like, is that right? Like, I don't know how to, how to do it. And, and I think, what if, what if maybe those emotions that we're feeling what if we're not just supposed to fan them away? And what if we're not just supposed to dwell in them and feel them? But what if we actually should trace them? Maybe we should ask the question, what are they revealing about the affections and the loves of my heart? And here's where it gets even more complicated. So just to take it a little bit further, here's what makes it more complicated. This is very simple, but the truth is we all love a lot of things. And so we love our families right? And we love a sense of security. And we love Netflix. And we love our kids. And we love God. And we love, and we love a lot of things. And so because of that, that means that our emotional life, what's happening inside of us, is oftentimes a very complicated, interwoven, intertwined, sometimes tangled up mess of different feelings. Because at any point, the things that we value are being tugged in different directions. And so that's why for some of us, when someone asks us the question, how do you feel? We're like, I have no idea. It's so confusing and it's a big tangled web. And so the question is, how do you help make sense of that? And how do you help kind of untangle that together? And of course, that's what we're talking about together in this series. Let me just say one last thing and then, and then we'll be finished. And that's this. I believe that our emotions, they don't, they don't simply reveal the things that we value and the affections of our heart. I think if you actually go a little bit further, our emotions actually have the power of revealing to us what we worship. That our strongest emotions that we experience and feel actually have a way of telling us, maybe even more than we know, the things that we tend to worship the most. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, I'm not a religious person. I don't worship anything. And I would just like to politely disagree with you on that. I believe that worship is a function of every human heart. 
We're all worshiping something. We're all looking to something to be our source of significance, our source of strength, our source of identity, our source of comfort. We all exalt something very highly. Now, whether you're aware of it or not, that's an entirely different issue. But I believe our emotions have the power of revealing that to us. And we'll talk about that more in weeks to come. Now, here's the final thing that you might be asking yourself here today. You might be saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. So emotions are good and they're from God. Okay, that makes sense. Emotions are supposed to move us. That makes sense. And emotions are real what we value. That makes sense. But here's the question. Why is it that so many times my emotions move me to do unhealthy things? Why is it that my emotions betray me and sometimes I make decisions that I regret with my emotions? Why is it that so many of us respond so differently to our emotions and experience them? And then here's one. If we truly are made in the image of God, why is it that my emotions often look way different than what I read in the scripture that I see with Jesus and that I see with God? And that's actually what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, we're going to talk about where does the breakdown happen as it relates to our emotions. Why don't we close together in a word of prayer? Well, Jesus, I just want to say thank you so much that you created emotions and you created us in your image. And because of that, we know that there really are no bad emotions. There's, there's ways that we can misunderstand them and misapply them, but emotions are good because they're from you. And so God, I ask that, uh, that you would help us through this series to learn a lot about you, to learn a lot about ourselves. Father, help us to be able to understand things in our own hearts that we sometimes have a very difficult time seeing. And God, of course, I wanna pray for just every person who's watching this right now. I know that they're deeply loved by you. And God, I know that right now, folks are experiencing a whole range of emotions. And so I pray, Jesus, that you would even use this series as a way of helping us process through what we're experiencing right now. I pray you'd meet, meet with every single person in a very special way right now. Let them know that you are deeply loved by you. And we just want to ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.